How's everybody doing this morning? Hopefully you're doing well. There is a proverb. It is Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 14. It says, He that greets his neighbor loudly in the morning, it shall be counted a curse unto him. That is the verse. So, you know, some of us are morning people and we don't have any problem going, get up and, you know, kind of just... um, but other people would rather be greeted with quietly, "Hey, how are you doing today?" Um, of course, then there's the lot. There's the lot. But the Proverbs twenty seven fourteen is a verse for for whatever reason that's stuck in my brain. Probably because in college I was the morning person, and I I wasn't boisterous and loud in the morning, but you know I I've always been a morning person, and so. Uh, someone shared this verse with me somewhere along the line in college, and it always just stuck, Proverbs twenty seven fourteen. 
uh, and kind of the paraphrase, he who greets his neighbor loudly in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. You know, uh, so maybe some of you remember the uh, old Robin Williams movie, Good Morning Vietnam. I think that was the title of the movie. And he would get on the radio and, good, you know, good morning, Vietnam, and just really loud and boisterous. And, of course, the point was to wake all the troops up rather than revelry. Or he's, uh, it was uh, the, the loud voice of the person uh, uh, you know, on the airwaves. But anyway, just a little bit of fun with you this morning. Just uh, uh, There's all kinds of wonderful proverbs if you take the time read through them, uh, so many different things that you can find there that are so apropos to life. Uh, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, friends, this can be a very short week today. That's it. Um, I will be uh, heading out to Florida this afternoon for a conference. I'll be down there uh, all week. I'll be on the airplane at 6 a.m. on Friday coming back. And... Uh, uh, the conference is tonight, tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, and that leaves Thursday, and I'm not exactly sure where we're going to be on Thursday. Uh, uh, so just don't plan on it. Uh, do some reading. Go back and read up maybe First Corinthians up through where we are currently. It might be a good place to go, or... I go into the Gospel of Mark and spend time just being with Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. Another great uh, recommendation for you this week. For those that are listening later or on podcast, this is totally irrelevant to you because it won't matter to you. Um, but for those that are the live crowd here in the morning that I have greeted so quietly, uh, the novelty of a preacher, yes, uh, uh, You just so you understand, you get to sleep in. If you'd like to, hey, let's get into First Corinthians chapter seven. Uh, we looked at this last week. The, the, the heading in this section, when you go all the way up to the top, the heading in the NIV is principles for marriage. And last week we talked about sexuality and marriage. And uh, you know, for those that are uh, you know widows or divorcees, uh, unmarried, maybe it was a. a a challenging piece to hear, and I, I want you to to see what uh, Paul has to say here in verse seven. He says, "I wish that all men were as I am, but each has his uh, own gift from God. One has this gift, and another uh, that." And what he's saying is that Paul was an unmarried man; he had the gift of being unmarried. You know, apparently his eyes were not an issue; lust was not an issue with Paul. Uh, apparently, uh, maybe it's just the strict, strict upbringing that he had that caused him to just not have room for such in his soul. So he says, verse 7, I wish that all men were as I am, uh, but each has his gift from God. One has this gift, another that. And he says, now to the unmarried widows, I say it is good for them to remain unmarried as I am. And that is his clarification. You know, if, if you're a widow, uh, if you're not married, Stay unmarried, and, and he will get into some of the reasons why. I'll, I'll try to go a little bit faster here this morning through this uh, through this chapter. I mean, he will get into the reality that if you are unmarried, um, you will have greater freedom to serve Christ, to come and go as you want. If you want to go to India, you don't have to ask your wife or your husband if, if it's calling the Lord to go there. Uh, you know, you just, okay, yep, let's go. And that's what you do. Uh 
But then he gets into verse 9, and this is, I mentioned this last week, a New Testament reason given for marriage. And, you know, we would probably all say, well, you get married because of love. Um, sometimes we get married because of lust. Uh, sometimes we get married uh, for companionship. Sometimes we get married, you know, why did you get married? Paul gives this as a reason for marriage in verse 9. Uh, and I think this is the only place that, that Paul really talks about. First, uh, Ephesians 5, he talks about marriage and what it means to be married. But in verse 9, 1 Corinthians 7, he gives a reason. If they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And so, I mean, if you can't control yourself, if you can't control your eyes, if you can't control your lusts, um, get married. That, that's what Paul said. Now, uh, frankly, marriage doesn't always help with that uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, sometimes it, it's we within ourselves that, that we continue uh, people, I say we as people, continue still burning with passion and lust for other people. Uh, or uh, you get married and it isn't all that you all that it was cracked up to be, maybe. And uh, uh, so it doesn't always help. But we, we need to go into marriage with a fair amount of uh, counsel, uh, with a fair uh, amount of um, consideration, uh, because marriage is wonderful as it can be. Marriage can be really tough too, and uh, it. it you have two personalities, two people who have different thoughts on things, and that's why you need to really talk through everything before you get married. And you need, if you have a, a, a children that are going to get married, if you have grandchildren going to get married, you know, you need to challenge them. You need to go to a pastor that will offer good pre-marriage counseling uh, because there is so much uh, to to think through. I mean, money gets us into trouble. Communication gets us into trouble. Selfishness gets us into trouble. Uh, sex gets us into trouble. Uh, harboring ill will gets us into trouble. Uh, roles in the household gets us into trouble. There are so many different things in our lives that, that get us into trouble. Trouble when it comes to marriage, you know. And I'm not going to ask you to, you know, list your laundry of, you know. But you, you could, if you want, in the comments to give some general thoughts. Here are tough things in marriage, um, all kinds of things. Uh, morning p- people, night people. I'm the morning person. Early in our marriage, Wendy was the night person. So by the time she's, hey, let's go, I'm kind of like type thing, you know. And and uh, so I mean, differences of of just morning people, night people, differences of. What do you like to do for recreation? Uh, differences of, uh, you know, friends. Some people like to be around friends all the time. Other people, you know, give me give me some friends a day a week or something, and I'm good with that. Um, some people, if they go on a trip, they have to bring an entourage of a bunch of people along. Other people, like, if I go on a trip, I just kind of want us to go. Um, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of different things. Uh, you know, things like when to do the dishes. Well, we should do the dishes as soon as we're done eating. We go over and do the dishes. Well, no, as soon as we're done eating, we put the dishes on the counter and we go watch TV. Uh, and those types of things uh, can can be some of the things that create tensions in, in the marriage. Uh, 
things like the toothpaste tube. You know, uh, do you squeeze it in the middle? Do you roll it from the end? Uh, the, you know, the proverbial toilet paper roll. Which way does it go on the on the uh, on the toilet paper hanger? Does 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 it flap over the front or flap around the back? I mean, it, and you think, okay, that's silly. Well, you know, yes and no because sometimes you ever heard this phrase? It's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's the little things that add up over time. Uh, we were talking yesterday. We have someone stay at our house while we're away and uh, showing him the where things get put in, in the kitchen. And, you know, uh, I, when I put things away, are they basically in the cupboard? Yep. Okay, good. Good as shut. Yep. Okay, we're good. Well, it's not Wendy. Wendy is has to go in a certain way, in a certain order, and the same thing with all the Tupperware lids and all those types of things. And, I mean, I'm, I'm not quite just throw in there. It's not quite as bad. I kind of overstate a little bit, but only a little bit. Uh, you know, and there's an example, and those things can lead to tensions in the marriage. Uh, all kinds of you know, time. Uh, you know, I, I'm the type that if you're not five minutes early, you're late. In fact, I'd like rather be 15 minutes early, frankly. And, uh, uh, and, but, you know, to me, on time is late, uh, but to Wendy, on time is on time. So hang on a second. I got to get up from my desk for just a moment. So why do I bring all this up? It's because we're dealing with this section of scripture here about marriage. Um, and then he talks about divorce. And, and there's some hard stuff in here that you need to read through and think through and wrestle through. You know, one of the issues that we have uh, is, is um, we can go overboard or we can go underboard, and, and, and this is a challenging section of scripture when it comes to uh, marriage, uh, divorce, and remarriage. So let's just work our way through it here. I'll read a, a, a chunk, and we'll go from there. Um, we were at verse nine. It said, "If they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it's better to uh, marry than to burn with passion." Uh, to the married, I give this command: Not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband. I mean, you're supposed to stay with your husband. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit this morning, and we may have to come back to this when I get back next week, uh, next Monday. Um, But there are all kinds of reasons why, you know, a woman want to leave her husband or a a husband want to leave his woman. Now, in that culture, uh, in that day, uh, women had certain legal rights and men had certain legal rights, and they weren't the same. Uh, frankly, and so uh, that's why it is addressed the way that it is addressed here in this section of Scripture. The marriage, I give this command that I, but the Lord, a wife must not separate from the husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or, or else be reconciled to her husband. A man must not divorce his wife. So, I mean, it does speak to both. A woman is not supposed to separate. If she does, she, she's to re- Remain unmarried. Now, some would say separates the same as divorce. Uh, it, the, the prohibition in verse eleven is that if if 
if you do separate, you are to remain unmarried or be reconciled to the husband. And this this gets messy. Uh, what about situations where you know you divorce, you marry somebody else, uh, that that person, the first marriage, wants to come back and really reconcile things and. You know, some would say, well, then you should leave your second husband and go, go back with your first. This gets rather complex and messy. And I would say, no, I, you don't do that. You acknowledge uh, things of the past, uh, but you've moved on and you have to move on. You, you don't, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. So you would stay with the second person and, and not go back to the first person. And again, I, I even heard recently a situation where uh, two couple uh, a couple had divorced, uh, and the wife remarried. But then her uh, second spouse passed away, and the and the first spouse uh, needed care, physical care, and developed a terminal illness. So, so the wife moved back in with the first husband, and just in a platonic relationship, a, a relationship of care. I mean, it, it, it gets dicey. It gets messy. Continuing reading down through here. I mean, some would take verse not verse 11 and go, you know, you just, you don't remarry. It's just a prohibition. Now, it's interesting. Paul says in verse 10, uh, not I, but the Lord. There, there's a command from the Lord. And then uh, in verse 12, Paul is saying, I didn't necessarily get this directly from the Lord. It's, these are not the words uh, that the Lord spoke, but I say to you, in verse 12 to the rest, I say, uh, if a brother has a wife who is not a believer and she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. Now, what about a situation where you're married to a non-believer and uh, you become a believer and the non-believer wants to leave uh, because of your faith? Uh, Paul will address that. You can let them go in, in that instance. Uh, but just because now you're a believer and you're married to a non-believer, that is not reason to to dump them. And, and some of that culture that they would have said, well, my spouse isn't on the same pages as I am now. I'm, a, I'm following Jesus and they're not. So therefore, we should get a divorce. And Paul would say, no, he would reject that. You do not do that. Uh, if uh, verse 12, uh, if any brother has a wife who's not a believer and she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. If a, if a woman has a husband who's not a believer and he's willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. You, you stay together. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children will be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Now, now let me just talk about what that means. What that means in this section here in verse 14, it doesn't mean that your family will be saved because you are saved. But what it does mean is your family comes under the influence of the gospel through your life. Your life, in a sense, sets your family apart to the uniqueness of of witnessing the gospel being lived out in your own life or to the gospel being shared from your own lips. So there is that uniqueness. Um, and in that way, your family is sanctified, uh, as it is saying down in verse 14. Now, let me put this into the New Living Translation here and read it in the New Living Translation and see if it gives us any further insight. Verse 14, top of the page, says, For the 
believing wife brings holiness to her marriage and the believing husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children will not be holy, but now they are holy. They're set apart for the Lord. Let me look at this uh, over in... Let me look at this over in the message to see if it gives us any nuance of insight that uh, might be helpful. Again, top of the page says the unbelieving husband shares to an extent in the holiness of his wife. uh, And the unbelieving wife is likewise touched by the holiness of her husband. Otherwise, your children will be left out as it is. They are also included in the spiritual purposes of God, the idea of that holiness being the spiritual purposes of God. They're under the influence of the gospel. That That is how most scholars would take that. Uh, some would take it to mean, and I, I, I believe that this is inaccurate, that because somebody in the family is saved, that there's a promise that the whole family is going to be saved. I, 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 I don't think that's true. I don't think that is is accurate at all. I think it's rather more the influence that happens in the home as a result of whichever spouse or whichever parent is the believer. Now, verse 15 says, but if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God is called to live us in peace. So you become a believer and your spouse is not a believer and they don't like the ways of Jesus and they say, you know, we're just living in a different place. They get out. When it says uh, a believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances, some would take that to mean that, okay, that you're free to let them go and you're free to remarry. Now, some people hold the view, and this is not my particular view, that if you divorce, you never remarry. And, uh, there, there is some biblical substantiation for that uh, in some places in the scriptures, uh, but but I don't take that view, especially for the non-believer with for for a believer with a non-believer here in First Corinthians seven fifteen. I believe it gives some room for remarriage. Now, here's the thing: we can't treat uh, we're selective about our sins. You know, we're selective about. Um, you know, we want to throw certain people under the bus while we give ourselves a pass on many other things. I think what we need to do is say, look, uh, all of it's sinful, and we, we need to repent of it and, and seek the forgiveness of God and, and then move on with, with our lives, put our past behind us, and, and, and live into what God is calling us to and to become holy and to become mature, become followers of Christ is, is what we should do. Verse 16 says this, uh, how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband, or how do you know, a husband, whether you will save your wife? And, and that is kind of a rhetorical question. You don't know whether you will uh, lead your non-believing spouse to salvation. You just don't know. Um, there is so much more in this section that, that I really, real, really believe I can cover today. Uh, let's go a little further. We're going to verse 17. Uh, Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Paul's saying I'm being consistent. I'm saying all the things every place I go, that if you, you are in a place of singleness, retain that place. And later on in the passage, as we will see next week, later on in the passage, Paul will talk more about 
what this means to to live in the place where where you are assigned. Uh, uh, he says, "Was a man already circumcised? Who's called? He should not become uncircumcised." In other words, don't change uh, some of these things about yourself. Uh, he says, "Was a man uncircumcised? Who's called? He should not become circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts." In other words, looking at your heart. Allowing your heart to, to, to become a heart that is yielded to Christ and you're, you're following after Christ and you're, you're wanting to live in the ways of Christ. Uh, you can be married and miserable. I, I know, I know married people, Christian married people who, uh, go back to this view, uh, married people, Christian married people, that they're miserable and there is no glory to Christ at all in their marriage or Christians. We're married and we're miserable. Wow. <laughs> okay. That makes Jesus really palatable for the non-believing world. That's looking at you and your miserableness. Now, maybe you need to have your uh, a heart transplant spiritually. Maybe you need to have your mind renewed spiritually. Maybe you need to humble yourself and repent spiritually uh, so that you can, because God doesn't want us to live in miserable marriage. Um, but, and as has said, Fran says this in the comments, if you've entered into the relationship, you must try always and never give up. Start with yourself. What do you need to change? Now, sometimes you go, but my spouse needs to change. They're just miserable. They're just crotchety. They're just uh, in, uh, uncompassionate. They're just not interested. They're just not romantic. They're just not be what you are called to be. You can't change them. But if they're Christian, and this is, I, I over the years I've watched people squirm in their seats as they've covered passages like the earlier passage here in First Corinthians seven. We talk about sexuality in the Christian marriage. It should be a blissful, wonderful, worshipful thing. And yet I know Christians that, that have bought the, 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 the deluded lie that, that sex is evil. No, sex is a gift from God. Um, and we need to work at our marriages. We need to work at forgiveness. We need to work at support. We need to work at tenderness. We need to work at being polite. Uh, we, we need to work at opening the car door. And... Uh, uh, you know, we, we, we need to bring flowers and chocolate, or sometimes it's, you know, you have a special dinner made for him or, uh, and, and, and I'm being very sincere and I say this sometimes when he comes home, uh, and this is a two way street sometimes when he comes home, it is, uh, you know, you, you meet him with readiness, uh. Uh, maybe it's something a little bit more sexy for him. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Uh, to to meet your husband, it depends on your husband. Okay, your husband might go, "What are you doing wearing something like that?" Now, me, ooh, I, I would not be that way at all. Now, there's there's a lengthier comment, and I I want to look at this comment here over in the comment section. Uh, I used to get upset when my hu hubby would leave the toilet seat up. I would grumble and, and complain to him. Uh, but God said to me one day, where in the instructions of the flush does it say the husband must put the sit toilet seat down after using it each time? God really got my attention, and I thought, wow, not once in 40-plus years has my hubby ever complained that I always put the toilet seat down every time. Yeah, I mean, we got to lift the toilet seat up. 
So I began to leave the cover up every time. Uh, and after two weeks, my husband asked why was uh, why the seat was always up. Isn't that funny? I mean, that's just kind of comical. I, I think that's funny. Uh, I, I told him what God has spoken to me. I asked my hubby to forgive me for all the years I made it an issue and not been nice to him. Uh, and uh, she says, I, I'm a mature adult woman. I'm able to put the toilet seat down uh, if it should be left up. Uh, we people tend to make things a big deal when it's only that we want our own way. I love God for speaking this to me. I mean, that, that, isn't that great? I mean, the toilet seat. You're right. And that is sensitivity to the spirit. And and you, my dear sister, I think you are an example of trying to be sensitive to the spirit that way. Thank you for that. And and these are the types of things in marriage that we need to make adjustments in uh, if we're going to thrive uh, and if we're going to survive. Now, let me finish out these last few verses uh, in this section. Uh, verse 20 says, each should remain in the situation he was when God called him. Uh, were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you, although you can gain your freedom. Uh, although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freed man, even if he's still a slave. Similarly, he was free when he uh, was called is Christ's slaves. You were bought at a price to not become slaves of men. Brothers, each man as responsible to God should remain in the situation God called him to. And, and that situation... Uh, I'm not saying you have to settle in your marriage. You keep praying. You keep changing. You keep working. You keep striving. I, I, I mean sincerely that you do those things uh, to become all that uh, God wants you to be. But for your husband, you think, how can I be what my husband needs me to be? Or if if you're a man, how, how can I be what my wife needs me to be? And don't don't pass on those things. You might, ah, oh, she doesn't need flowers. Guess what? You bring her flowers and see what happens. Uh, I was dating in high school, dating a girl. And uh, I would frequently bring her flowers. And one day her dad pulled me aside and he said, would you knock it off with the flowers? I'm like, is it wrong for me to give her flowers? And he goes, no, but now my wife expects me to bring her flowers too. Husbands. Do something like that for your wife. It's like the husband that told the wife, uh, I told you when I married you that I love you, and if anything changes, I'll let you know. I mean, that's just stupidity. And uh, uh, anyway, friends, it is it is 6.30. It is time for me to uh, bid adieu for this week. And uh, I, I pray for you. I love you. Uh, glad for the opportunity to spend some time with you here this morning. And uh uh, it's my prayer that the Lord will help all of us, whatever state we're in, uh, to live in that state and uh, to hear our prayers. Some of you that uh, uh, maybe are lonely, I'm praying for for God's uh, God's companionship in, in your life. Uh, if, if you're married and you're lonely, I'm praying for your spouse to wake up. If, uh, if you're not married and you're lonely, I'm praying that God be that companion, or if he puts someone in your path in your life, that he makes it what it's supposed to be. So, Lord, help us. We, we acknowledge it. it's sometimes really difficult to live in this world. And uh, I, I pray that you help us to be sensitive to the Spirit, pliable to Spirit's hands, that we might become the people you want us to be. Lord, and today we, we do think of Israel, 
we think of Gaza and what's going on there. We think of Ukraine, what's going on there, Iran, Lebanon, uh, Hezbollah, all those places and all the warring taking place in the Middle East. Uh, help us to have our eyes open to what's going on and aware that we could be ready for the Lord's soon return. Uh, we don't know, but Lord, help us to be ready. And, and as we're told in Psalm 122.6, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Lord, would you, we pray for peace. We pray for people whose homes have been blown to smithereens. We pray for the people in Palestine, and, and it, it's actually Israel and Gaza. People want to call it Palestine, uh, but, but people, uh, civilians, children, women, elderly people who have been harmed because of the war, Lord, we, we pray uh, that, that you would work in miraculous and marvelous ways and bring this war to a swift end. Lord, hear our prayer, we pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I'll see you next week. Have a good week, everyone.